Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Boy, things changed in a hurry. Yesterday morning, Saturday morning, I walked out at 6 a.m. and uh, I was in Tennessee actually with a t-shirt on and it was feeling pretty nice. This morning I walked out and it was uh, a little chilly. But things, things changed quickly. One word from the Lord, things can change quickly as well, amen? And that's good news. That's good news. We're going to hear a word this morning, and um, I believe I just got some direction this morning, actually, in my, in my office. wasn't sure how this morning was going to play out, but um, I still don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but I don't know somebody that does. Amen. Well, if you've been here the past few weeks, well, let me let me say this. Let me let me say this. Yesterday at the race, we we uh, a lot of people here attend dirt bike races, and uh, we shared the word with the guys before the race. Yesterday, we shared the word. Um, we had thirteen people that uh, accepted Christ out in the field, in the woods, in Tennessee. No air conditioning, no heat, no blue chairs. Well, they could be red. They could be any color. No comfortable chairs. Uh, that's awesome. That, 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 that excites me. I don't race anymore, but I, I feel like I win every time that happens. Uh, feels better than any, anything I've ever won before, to be honest with you. It's, it's good. And out of the 13, I was paying attention. There was only one child. There was 12 adults. That excites me even more. That excites me even more. It's good when adults make the right decision. Because the decision that you make... It affects your children whether you realize it or not. It affects your seed for years to come. So anyway, it's a good deal in the Lord's uh, blessing us. And uh, just when you think, how many, I mean, just when I think, they surely by now everybody's saved. I mean, it's like new people just keep keep showing up, don't they? I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So just give all the glory to the, the Lord. So... Um, Anyway, we've been talking about surrender, surrender, surrendering to the Lord, and um, you know, not not le- living one leg in, one leg out kind of a life, which is what ninety percent of Christians do live that I that I've met in my lifetime, honestly. But uh, to go all in, he says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. But you got to seek me with your whole whole heart. That means you can't stick your big toe in the pool. You got to jump in head first in the deep end. You got to jump on in. You seek me, and you'll find me. When you seek me with your whole heart, don't give me a little bit of your heart, but give me your whole heart. Amen? Amen. Well, anyway, right here, this is a scripture. We're riding down the road, and I um, told my wife, I said, read, read some of this Hebrews to me. So she read this to me on the way uh, to Tennessee right here. It says, by faith, this is Hebrews chapter 11, 23rd verse. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. The king sent out a command. He said, kill all the baby boys. Kill every one of them. But Moses' parents made a choice. They said they weren't afraid of the king's command. It says because he was a beautiful child. <laughs> I read that again this morning. I had to look that up and study that a bit. Other translations, uh, that he was no ordinary child. Uh, different translations say different things, but basically they saw something that was different about him. But I read this: he was a beautiful child. Well, good thing he wasn't ugly. I mean, boy, I'd have been a goner. My mama told me I was so ugly when I was born; I had to dim the lights. 
The doctor dimmed the lights and said, now he looks a little better. He looks, he looks better now. But he couldn't see me. But good thing I grew up to be a good looking fellow. But, but his parents saw that he was no ordinary child. Something's different about this kid. And I've met people before, even as children, and I've said, there's something different about them. There's something different about them. Even when I was a kid, I knew a kid that was around my age, and he was a little bit different. I knew as a kid there was something different about him. Well, he, he grew up and in, in, was in ministry before anybody else I knew that was our age. There was something different about him. God had a call on his life from just early childhood. There's something different about him. But his parents said there's something different about him. They weren't afraid. So they had a choice here to either comply to God's word or to compromise and do what the king said to do. But instead of listening to what the king, Pharaoh, that king said to do, they listened to what the other king said to do. Not the king of the land, but the king of the entire land. So his parents made a choice, and the parents' choice affected the seed. It affected the seed, seed, and the seed, seed, and so on and forth, and ultimately it affected you and I. But his parents made a choice, and, um, you know, we go through life, I tell my kids all the time, I tell my kids, you know, your choices, they're not just choices. It's not just a good time. It's just not an event. It's not just a one-time deal. But every time you make a choice, you are choosing, you are taking a path. And every path you take has a destination. So if you want to go to the beach, but you keep choosing paths that say north, you'll never get there. Unless they've got a beach up in Canada that I'm not aware of. Maybe they do. You're going to have to take a path that says south. Every path has a destination. You know, it's just a one-time thing and end up as pregnant at 16 years old. Now you're a mama, now you're a daddy. You was going to go to college and play some ball, but now you're flipping burgers somewhere paying for your kid. It's a choice. It's a path. Every path has a destination. Well, these parents right here made a choice. They made a choice. We're not going to do this. We're not going to uh, compromise with the worldly things, what he says. But you know what? We're going to... Um, we're going to comply with God's word right here. And you make choices in your life and your choices make you. You make choices and then your choices turn around and make you. There's a lot of continental divides, but there's one called the Great Divide. It's in Colorado. There's a stream that flows through there. It splits. One stream splits and goes two ways. One way goes the Colorado River, which ultimately leads to California, to the Gulf. The other way, it goes to the Mississippi River, and it goes to the Gulf of Mexico. It goes two entirely different places. You can be a little raindrop, two raindrops. One falls on this side of the mountain, and one falls on that side of the mountain. This side of the mountain, you go going to California. This side of the mountain, you go going to the Mississippi River, you're going to the Gulf of Mexico. It's a choice. Two, two different paths, two entirely different destinations. I've made some wrong choices. I've been on some paths, and they led me to some places I wish I'd never been, and I ended up staying a lot longer than I wanted to. Amen. See, people will remember you for what you do. That's why you got to be careful of what you... People will remember you for what you did. That's why you got to be careful as to what you do. They always remember the bad stuff, don't they? But the next scripture here says, By faith Moses, when he became an age, refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter. Well, first of all, his parents, his parents right here made a choice. To hide him for three months, then they sent him down the river. But his parents made a choice. 
You know, they're, they're, they made a right choice, a good choice, the right decision. They complied with the word. But you know what? Moses became the liberator of the children of Israel. And when you make the right choices with, with your children, who knows? Who knows what the, what, which way that's going to lead them and what they're going to become just because you made the right choice. But now, faith, Moses has an opportunity to make a choice right here. It says, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach or the suffering of Christ greater uh, riches than the treasure in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. He looked to the payday. Payday's coming. That's the title of today's sermon is Payday. I just changed it. It was something else, but now it's Payday. Everybody likes payday. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Now, his parents, there was a decree, a command, put him in, kill him. So they hid him for three days. I mean, three months. They hid him for three months. They sent him down the river. Pharaoh's daughter drew him out. She raised him as her own. And then he became the, 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 the liberator. He was drawn out of the water, and then he ends up... Um, delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt. And it's pretty neat that he was hidden for three months, but then he was drawn out and then he delivered them. And Christ was in the tomb for three days, but then God drew him out. Guess who else was liberated? You and I. We were delivered from the prison of sin. Amen. But Moses has an opportunity right here. He has a choice to comply or to compromise. And he's going to comply with God's word. He says, I'd rather go out there and suffer with God's people then I had to stay right here in Egypt. Even though all the money is here and I've got all the wealth and I've got all the education, I don't have to do anything. They fanning me and feeding me grapes. I'm choosing to go out there and be with God's people. Moses made a choice. His choice was either to comply or to compromise. You can comply with uh, spiritual things or you can compromise with carnal things. You can comply with eternal things or you can compromise with temporal things. You can compromise uh, their will, man's will for God's will. Or you can comply with God's will. Or you can compromise with man's will. You can uh, comply with commitment or you can compromise with convenience. Because it's not always convenient to be sold out surrendered to God. When everybody else is doing it and you stay at the house. It's not always convenient. It's not always convenient to go and help somebody out, to go feed somebody, to go give them some money, to go down to the hospital, to stop what you're doing and be generous and be Christ-like and help them. It's not always convenient. And you can just keep on going and pass them by like the religious people did uh, in the Samaritan stopped. Y'all remember that story? It's a short-term suffering but you know what? The short-term suffering uh, leads to a long-term blessing. And Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's like this. To comply or to compromise... When you comply with God's word, it may be not convenient right now. It may not feel good right now. It may not always feel good immediately. It's like going to the dentist. They fix and drill a hole in your head, in your mouth. Or they're going to pull your tooth out. They're going to do something in there. But before they do it, they pull out this needle. 
They say, open up, and they stick it in there. It hurts. It hurts a little for a few seconds. But then you're numbed up. You don't feel what's coming. It's getting you ready for what's coming. One time I was racing my dirt bike and I smushed my pinky toe so bad that it exploded like a grape, literally. And under the bottom it looked like a lightning bolt or a curvy road where it just smushed it and it just exploded. It just exploded. And so, um, you know, I had to go to the hospital and they uh, checked it out and they said, well, all the bones in there are completely crushed into a million pieces. There's nothing we can do except just sew it up. And basically it's just going to be like hanging on for the ride. Well, that, you know, hey, that's fine. As long as it stays there, we're good. Stick told me, one of our buddies went to the hospital and he had to get surgery. And they said, doctor said, when you wake up now, you're going to have a cast on your leg. He said, that's fine. Just make sure I wake up. That's the same way. My toe, that's fine. I don't care if I can feel it or not. Just make sure it, it stays with me right there. But they're going to sew it up. And I had waited several hours, so needless to say, it was a little tender. But uh, Stick over here, he, he had had an ingrown toenail cut out one time, and he told me about they stuck the needle in there, and he said it hurt really bad. Ripped his toenail off. Well, whatever, good enough. But they stuck the needle in it. And he said, it, it hurt pretty good, hurt pretty bad. So she said, I'm going to stick a needle in your toe to numb it up to get you ready for these stitches. And I said, okay, well, I remember it. He said, how bad it hurt. So I sit there, and she came in there with that needle and stuck it in the end of my toe right under my toenail. And uh, it hurt really bad. But I did like this. I went. And she pulled the needle out. She said, did that hurt? And I said, nah. Then she said, well, okay, well, most people say that hurts really bad. I just kept straight face, and she goes, well, okay, only four more. And I'm like, say what? Four more? <laughs> yes, it hurt. It hurt real bad. And I keep a straight face for the next four. I'm like, I just cried like a baby. No, I'm kidding. But uh, guess what? It was getting me ready for something. It was getting me ready for something because the stitches were coming. It's kind of like a flu shot. They stick it in your arm or leg or in your rear end or wherever they stick a flu shot. And then guess what? It's getting you ready to prevent things from happening, prevent you from getting the flu. You're just going to suffer for a moment when they stick the needle in you, but it's preventing you from future pain. Does that make sense to you? So you can say, I don't see it now, and I hear people say that all the time. I don't see it. I don't see anything happening. I've been praying. I came to church twice. But nothing's changed in my marriage. I don't see anything happening. Nothing. I'm still suffering. Well, just keep coming. Just keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit. I don't see it now. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep praying. Just keep standing on the Word. Just keep believing. Just keep reading your Bible. Just keep coming to church. Just keep singing these songs. Just keep praising. Just keep worshiping. Just keep being generous. Just keep being Christ-like. Just keep going. Because let me tell you, payday's coming. There is going to be a payday. Well, I tithe once. I ain't seen nothing happen. There's this thing called seed time and harvest. Seed time's not one word. It's not seed time. Oh, it's time now to throw out some seeds and now we're going to get the harvest. No, it's seed time, a totally different word, and then harvest. That's because you're going to plant the seeds and it's going to be a few months later before you're eating a BLT sandwich. 
Because tomatoes takes time to grow. It's seed, time, and harvest. You're sowing seeds. You gotta stay in it. You gotta stay with it. You gotta keep going. Amen. Because payday's coming. And payday's good. God sees your labor of love. He sees it. Nobody sees what I'm doing. Nobody sees what I'm going through. Nobody sees the sacrifices I'm making. God sees it. God sees your labor of love. You're working for Him. And it's a totally different kind of work. We're not working to make it happen. We're working because it's already happened. You understand? We're not working for a victory. We're working from a victory. Amen. Moses was drawn out. It says that in Exodus, the second chapter. He was drawn out. He was drawn out. You know why? So he could draw his people out. He was drawn out so he could draw them out. God's drawn you out. You know why? So he can use you to help draw other people out. You've been delivered off drugs or off alcohol or one, other, one thing or the other. You've been delivered. You know why? So you can help deliver other people. You can't lead somebody to a place you hadn't ever been. You've been promoted. You know why? So you can help promote other folks. You've been favored. You know why? You can do some favors. It's, mis- it's, mi- it's, it's, it's misery. Well, he'll turn your misery into, the, into ministry, into a ministry. And he didn't draw you out to make you uh, comfortable. You, you were comforted by him so that you could comfort others. Amen. Moses is out there and he sees this burning bush. The bush is burning. I shared this yesterday at the race just briefly. It's part of my sermon yesterday. And um, he sees this bush burning. And he's from a distance. He's walking by. He sees the bush. He says the bush was not consumed. But he sees it from a distance. But that's all that happens when he's at the distance is he just sees it. There it is. And that's where most of Christians spend their life is here. And the burning bush is way over there. I don't know what God's plan is. I don't know what His purpose is. I've never heard His voice. Well, you're, you're too far at a distance. It says when Moses drew near and he went to the bush, that's when he heard God speak to him. It's a still, small voice. It's not in the mountains shaking. It's not in the earthquake. It's not in the fire. It's just a still, small voice where he just whispers and says, come on out of that cave. Well, see, sometimes you go through a season in life where you don't feel like God's even in the room with you and you don't hear his voice. You don't know where he's at. Well, maybe it's just that he hasn't quit talking. It's just you're at the distance and you just need to draw near. He doesn't scream at you. It's just a still, small voice. He just whispers to you. And Moses goes over there and he whispers some things to him and he tells him what to do. He starts speaking to him and he tells him what to do. How do I get in? How do I get in with people? I've heard people say that before. Can you get me in with them? Can you get me a meeting with them? Can you introduce me to them? Can you get me in with them? Because I do this kind of work and they do that kind of work. And if you could just get me in with them. Hey, can you get me into these churches? Can I come preach at your church? Can you get me in? Do you know some other pastors you could get me in with them? That's the problem is people spend too much time trying to get in with with people, trying to get in with them. But if you'll just spend your time getting in with Him, you won't have to get in with them. You just go seek, just go to the bush, go to Him, seek Him, stay focused on Him, not them. He'll get you in. He'll get you right on in wherever He needs you to be. Now, men can get you in, but that may not necessarily be where God wants you in. Has anybody ever heard people say, can you get me in? No. Don't seek them. 
Seek Him. Pharaoh said, Moses went to Pharaoh. They said, we're going to have to go. We need to leave. Me and my people, we need to go worship. And Moses, uh, Pharaoh said, well, you can worship within the land. Don't go too far. You can go a little ways. But God said, no, you got to be separated. You got to be separated. Pharaoh said, you can just go a little way. You can just go a little way. These people were worshiping oxen and cattle. That was their idol. You can't, if Moses and his people, they couldn't have sacrificed what they were worshiping. They were wanting to go, Moses and his people were wanting to go literally sacrifice what the Egyptians were worshiping. Now how are you going to go worship, how are you going to go sacrifice what they're worshiping? You can't. They'd have killed them. They'd have, stood, they'd have killed them. You can't. That's their idols. That was their God. They worshiped them. And that's the same thing with worldly people and us today. You know what, what I'm saying is if Moses would have said, okay, we'll do everything except kill the idols. We'll do everything except sacrifice what you're worshiping. That would have only been partial obedience. But partial obedience equals total disobedience. And that's pretty much where most of the church is today is partial obedience. We don't want to offend anybody because they're worshiping that. And that's their lifestyle that makes them happy and it feels good to do it. So I don't want to offend them. So I won't, I won't be a 100% Christian in front of them. I'll just be a partial obedient. Partial obedience, total disobedience. Little compromise, a little bit of compromise blocks real big blessings. God's looking for obedience. 100% sold out obedience. He told Abraham to go. Abraham didn't know where. Hannah didn't know when. Mary didn't know how. And Joseph didn't know why. What God's looking for somebody who says, I don't care where, I don't care when, I don't care how, and I don't care why. But you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. 100% obedient, sold out, surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Moses says we must... Be separate. We've got to go further. We can't just go a little ways in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, the 17th verses. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. They couldn't stay there in that filth. They couldn't stay there in the unclean. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate. And I say this all the time. That's what he says. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Don't go in amongst them and be the same. He's called us out to be different, a higher standard. We're supposed to be living different. When they see you, they're supposed to see Christ. It's not just in here on Sunday morning. Peter and John at the temple and the, man, the lame man's there. They said, arise and walk. And he went running and jumping and shouting through the temple because he was healed. Y'all remember that story? They said, we don't have any silver and gold. But what we do have, you, we'll give you to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And they got up and he was leaping and shouting and jumping all through the temple. And in my lifetime, I've seen a lot of people running and shouting and leaping inside the temple, inside the walls of the church. When they get outside, they quit jumping, they quit shouting, they go back to being lame and they ain't saying nothing. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Anybody can shout in church. Anybody can do it in here. Anybody can raise your hands. Anybody can do it in here. But the real test is when you walk out the doors. What do people see? Partial obedience? Or do they see obedience? Do they see sold out Christians? 
See, this right here is speaking of holiness. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Do not touch anything. Uh, what is unclean and I will receive you. Come out from among them. It's talking about holiness. Holiness is not just a word you heard your grandma say. It's a real thing. God said, I'm holy. So you, you, for, um, he says, let me, let, I'm trying to quote it. And I'm running over myself. Be holy for I'm holy. He says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Here it is. Because it's written, be holy for I am holy. That's not just a word that granny came up with, holiness. God said, be holy for I am holy. We're supposed to be separate. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be living a life of holiness. Amen? He says, go a little way. Just don't go too far. This scripture, talking about speak, being holy, we can't just go anywhere. And we can't just do anything and we can't just partake of everything. It's a come out from among them and be separate. You can't just go anywhere. You can't just do anything. You can't just partake of everything. There's a separation there. Amen. He says, go a little way. You can go a little way, but just don't go too far. Don't go too far. Christians are the world's worst for not going too far because they don't go far enough. I had a guy at work for me one time. He said, yeah, my dad got saved. He got baptized. And next thing you know, he's just going around knocking on doors, inviting people to church, and he's handing out tracts, and he's just telling everybody. He just took it too far. He just took it too far. And I said, he took it too far? No, you ain't carried it far enough. He didn't carry it too far. That's what you're supposed to do. Go out and preach the gospel. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. If you got to knock on their door, knock on their window, do it at the shopping mall. When, it, when the good Lord puts them on your heart, do it right then, right there, right now, because you don't know what tomorrow's got in store. They might not be around. But it's not taking it too far. You can't t- take it too far. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen some nutcase Christians. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I had a guy trying to get me saved up there at Lowe's. He knows I'm a pastor. He's preaching a message to me trying to get me saved. And I said, I'm saved. He didn't stop him. Then he took his hat off. He said, this message is so good, I need to ask for an offering. And the next time I see him, I'm like, I'm getting, I mean, I'm gone, baby. I'm out of there. Don't be like that. One time this little boy, he said, Mama, he said, um, what's part-time mean? She said, well, son, it's full-time job. Usually means you work about 40 hours a week. That's, that's part-time for me. But full-time usually means about 40 hours a week. Part-time's 20. That means they just work half the time. He said, okay. So <laughs> Does that mean my dad's a part-time Christian? Because he only comes to church half the time. That's a true story. I could say the man's name. Most of y'all, well, a lot of y'all would know him. I won't do it. But do your kids see a part-time Christian or they see a full-time Christian? They see one that's it, it's a Christian on Sunday? Full-time or part-time? Living on the edge. Is that what Eric Smith, he sing that living on the edge? Don't live on the edge. It's amazing. Christians want to live. They want to get this daggum as close to that line as they can and just live right there. You need to get far away from that line as you can and run, run the other direction. 
Don't take this thing too serious now. Peter said uh, uh, to pursue righteousness and flee uh, lust, youthful lust. Flee, to pursue righteousness and flee lust. Well, the pursue and the flee are, are, are directly connected together. And um, a lot of people go through life like this. Here's that line right here that we're talking about. And here, here, here's where all the problems are. Here's where all the lust. Here's all the things that are drawing them and they're fighting them. It's a fleshly fight. They're trying not to. I'm trying not to do this. I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to be a good man. I'm trying to be a good woman. I'm trying to be a good person. It's a fight. They're fighting off the lustful lustful flesh. They spend their time fighting that. Don't do that. Don't, don't, Don't spend any time fighting that. Spend all your time pursuing Him. Because here's where it is. Here's where the lust of the flesh are right here. And you spend your time fighting them. Don't do that. Spend your time pursuing Him. Because the pursuit is connected to the flee. Because when you turn your back on this, you have to go this way to pursue Him. And the more you pursue Him, the further you are from that. So when you pursue, you actually flee. But what about this? What about all these problems? Just pursue Him. Just pursue Him because the change starts happening on the inside. See, we try to get it out here on the outside, get the look all together, but still full of dead men's bones. But you just worry about it on the inside. You take care of it on the inside. It's just a matter of time. Payday's coming. You're going to see it on the outside. Everybody around you is going to see it on the outside. They're going to say, boy, he acts a lot different. He talks a lot different. He walks a lot different. Do I even know Him anymore? Well, the change happened on the inside. and The change come from pursuing God. How did he get so far away from this? He fleed it when he pursued it. That's how it works. That's how the Holy Spirit works. The holiness, the name, Holy Spirit, hence the name, Holy Spirit. If you want to live a life of holiness, it's going to be through the Holy Spirit, through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. It's not out here, it's in here to pursue You can be a dropout, you can be a cop-out, or you can be sold out. Because this half-and-half crap, that works in coffee, but it don't work in Christianity. The half-and-half days, the one leg in, one leg out, they gotta, it's got to be over. We're not supposed to be in the corner like a scared rabbit. We're going to give some. I'm glad Jesus didn't give some. I'm glad Jesus didn't give some. I'm glad he didn't just live half of it. I'm glad he only, that he didn't take half the stripes. And I'm glad he didn't just bleed a little. And I'm glad he didn't just hang on half the cross. And I'm glad he didn't just stay in the tomb for a day and just stay on in there and not... See, what I'm saying is, He gave it all. He gave His entire life. He gave all His blood. He gave us the cross. He, he went in the grave, and three days later, he, he came out. He gave it all, and we want to give Him some. He gave us all, and we want to give Him some. See, when it's this quiet, I know you're listening intently. Sometimes when I say, wake up, it's not because you're listening. It's because I actually see people asleep. 
I don't care if you scream, shout, amen, glory, praise the Lord, all that stuff. I used to think that meant something, but right now I realize the quieter you are, the more you're listening. Because you, somebody told me, this wise man told me, he said, I don't talk with my mouth when I'm eating. Because he's eating on the word. I've had people amen stuff that wasn't even right before. And I know they're not listening intently. Pharaoh said, well, you can go take the men, but uh, leave your wives and children. The men can go worship, but leave your wives and children. That's a trick of the enemy right there. The first thing he wants to do is divide the family up, divide and conquer. He wants to split the family up. Yeah, men, y'all go on, leave your wives and children behind. No, men, don't go on, don't leave your wives and children behind. It's a trick of the enemy. From the very beginning, he's really wanting to split families apart. He, nothing's changed. He still wants to do it. This world's full of a lot of males. But you got to look around real hard to find a man. Because you can be, biologically, they can say you're a male, but you have to intentionally be a man. I see some clothes some people wear. I look at them and think, there's no way you can be a man just by those pants you're wearing. <laughs> Hey, what? Well, there's some, there there are some good, mighty men of God that wears those dreaded pants. That's just something I don't like. That don't mean you're not saved and going to heaven. Now they even have sweatpants that look like skinny jeans. I guess they're called skinny sweats. My son has on a pair right now. We don't walk around together in public. <laughs> it's, just, it's sad. It's sad. But in Genesis, it says God took the man out of the dirt. He grabbed a handful of dirt. He reached down in the dirt. And he pulled the man out of the dirt. Got some dirt, breathed into it, made a man. Y'all remember that? And out of the man, now he's got a man. Out of the man, now he takes, makes a woman. And from the man and woman, now he's got a family. And from family, he's got society. But it all started with the man. But before the man, it started with the dirt. See, men want to say, I'm the head of the house. I run things. I run things around my house. You say that in front of all the guys. We went home and looked in your window. The only thing you'd be running is a vacuum cleaner, washer, dryer. You'd be running some stuff. Sweeping. Yeah, you're running it. Good job. Running to the grocery store, get some groceries in the minivan. I run things. I'm the head of my house. What about the foundation? Isn't it interesting that he took out of the dirt? And isn't it interesting that a house is built and the first thing you have to do to build a house is to dig in the dirt and lay a foundation. And God reached down the dirt. He took the dirt as if the house, the head, the head of the household, guess what? You got to have a foundation. That makes sense to you? You got to have a foundation. See, man was the foundation for the family. And here's Pharaoh trying to separate the man from the, from the family. The very beginning.
children of Israel, they get out there. Here comes the Egyptians after them. Most people know the story. Here's the Red Sea. The Red Sea's parted. They go across the Red Sea. The Red Sea closes back in on the Egyptians. They're on the other side. They're jumping up and down, screaming and hollering, just like the guy at the temple with the silver and gold. I don't have any, but what I do have you, I give you the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. The story I just told you, they're shouting and they're running. They got victory. They have got victory. We beat out old Pharaoh. Look at them now. Look at us. We over here. We over there. We are free. We're not in slavery anymore. We have victory. That's good. I felt that before. I remember getting saved, really saved. I really sold out. I really gave my life to the Lord in my kitchen table. And I felt that. I felt that victory. I was excited. I was pumped up. I had a peace that surpassed all understanding. I didn't get it, but I, I received it. I didn't necessarily understand it all. But I knew something on the inside of me had completely changed. I knew I wasn't going back. But hard times, crisis. See, they went from victory to crisis. Now they're out there. What we going to drink? What we going to eat? You brought us over here. Now we're just going to die in the desert. We had it back. We had it better back over there where we used to be slaves over there in Egypt in the sin. Now we're out here. That's a lot of times what happens when you get saved. You get a victory because you're not going to hell anymore. Jesus is now in your heart. That's a victory. But then all of a sudden, things don't start going right. I thought Christianity was going to be easy. I thought this was going to be a cakewalk. I thought it was just going to be floating down the river of ease. But it seems like things are getting harder. Like we're fussing more and money's tight. This is going on. I just go, I'm just going to go back. It was easier back over there. I'm just going to go back. I used to think those things. In fact, about one year ago, I went on a diet for a whole week. I ate like a bird. I got on the scales at the end of the week. I weighed one more pound than I did before I went on the diet. And I said, forget it. I'm going back. I'm going back to eating because I can just keep eating and stay fat. Why do I want to starve and gain a pound? I went back. But I should have stayed with it because payday would have come because this month's diet's next month's body. I didn't stay with it. That's just a little funny, but we do the same thing in life. It was easier the way it used to be. Well, Satan wasn't putting the pressure on you before because you were no threat to him in Egypt. But now you out here, you're a free man. Now you're a new creation. Christ is recreated and you knew. And you got an inheritance and you're learning about the words and things are changed. Now you're a threat to him. And he's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He comes to steal, kill, destroy. He's coming after you. Things are getting harder. I'm just going to go back. And I remember thinking that too early on. It was easier the way it used to be. I actually think about that sometimes as a pastor. It'd be a lot easier not being the pastor. Because I don't have to read my Bible during the week. I don't have to pray. I don't have to answer my phone. I don't have to do any of this stuff. I can just go and just do any little thing I want. It would be easier. It would be. But payday's coming. And I know that. And I've chosen to comply. I'm not going to compromise. Don't go back. Don't go back. It will pay off. It will pay off. It was in about, let's see, 11 years ago. I was ready to go back. I said, I can do other things and make more money. 
I can do this. The way I used to live, I used to live like a heathen and things seemed to be going better for me. But now I'm sold out to Christ. I put my head on my kitchen table. I tapped out and I said, I'm done. My life's not my life anymore. It's your life. If you can use me here, here I am. And that's the truth. That's what I did. And then things really did get harder. And I think it used to be easier when I was in control. It was just a lot easier. I had more money in my pocket even. And I wasn't digging change out of my back, uh, the crack in my seat to buy a little Caesar's pizza. There's other things I can do to make money. It might not be ethical or it might not be legal, but let me tell you, I can come up with some money to buy some food. But I didn't. I didn't compromise and I complied to God's word and I stayed the course and I can stand before you 11 years later telling you that life is real good. Payday has come. My marriage is awesome. My family, my kids, this church, you guys, life's good. Payday came. You stay the course. You stay the course. And y'all, somebody come up here. Everybody, one of you, whatever you want to do. Oh, no, not, not, not everybody. But just people can sing. Can you sing? No. Okay. I like that. This guy ain't hesitating. He's like, I'm coming up. That's what I'm talking about. See, it ain't too much. It ain't too much. I should have been more specific. I guess people are used to me saying, y'all come on up. And most people don't move. That I can't even pry them out of their seat. They're like... <laughs> Thought we had somebody. I thought we'd fix and get us some new vocals up here. I was getting excited for a second. He kind of reminds me of the guy off the, the Newsboys, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who I thought he was when he first came in. I was like, yes. <laughs> I think that's the name of the group. <laughs> There's just a little furry animal. It's some kind of a weasel in the weasel family but it's called an ermine it's solid white in the winter and it's brown in the summer it's a cute little thing it's a cute little fella but the fur for those things over in Europe they sell for big money big money so they trap these things they try to catch these little ermines and they and they get their hide and they sell them for fur coats but these are very clean animals. They burrow up in things and their, their burrow is very clean, very neat. These animals are very meticulous. I read and studied on them. Very clean. They keep everything perfectly clean. So what these trappers do is they have dogs. And when the little army goes out during the day to do whatever it is that he does during the day, they take a bunch of trash and filth and they throw it down in his burrow and they trash it all up. Because see, there's something on the inside of him. There's this instinct on the inside of him that God put there. He can't go into that trashy burrow. He has to keep it clean. It's an instinct. It's his natural instinct. I can't go in there. It's dirty. It's filthy. I don't belong in there. And so these trappers and the dogs, they get out behind him and the chase begins and they're chasing him. They're running him. And the little ermine runs up to his burrow and he gets there. He says, hold up, something ain't right. This is dirty. 
And then the instinct kicks in. I can't go in there because it's dirty. I can't do it. I can't go in there. His natural instinct kicks in and says, I can't go in there. So then he turns around. And most time he dies fighting off the hound dogs that are on him. He'd rather turn around and fight these hounds and possibly lose his life than he had entering that dirty hole. What does that mean? What that means is that little Armin, he's willing to sit there and die in the blood, die in his own blood before he's going to enter back into filth. And that's the way Christians need to be. That you're going to turn your back on it. You're going to fight even to the death, even in the blood, whatever it takes. But I am not crossing the line. I'm not going back into that filth. Everybody else is doing it. Let them do it. Because see what? Payday's coming for me. They ain't getting no payday. Payday's coming. Payday coming comes from complying to God's Word. Now we can learn a lot from that little weasel. He's willing to die in the blood and comply with his instinct than he is to compromise what God put in him and enter in that dirty hole. That's good. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 